Welcome to Accelerate Your Wealth, a podcast by Rebecca Robertson, founder and director of Evolution Financial Planning. This series, we're focusing on female financial independence, looking towards a stronger financial future. Be sure to let us know your thoughts on the show, and please do connect with us on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Instagram, or head over to www.rebeccarobertson.co.uk. So welcome to today's session, where we're going to be talking about future-proofing your finances in the relationship you're in to ensure that you're not being in a financial controlling position so that you have a really secure financial future. And this is all part of our Financial Independence for Women series, podcast series. And today we're going to be talking to Kate Beasley, who is a psychotherapist and trauma breakthrough specialist specialising in childhood trauma-related narcissistic abuse and addictions. Kate is passionate about supporting women to break through free from domestic abuse and empowering them to live a healthy, happy, fulfilling life that they can be proud of. And she's coming from this from a real personal experience. So today's session, she's going to be talking a lot about her own personal experience, what she's had to go through, where she's currently at, and why she feels that all women should have a financial position where they can have a choice to walk away from a relationship. So that might not be completely financially independent, but you're certainly financially in control of your finances and in control of your money that you have options. Today, we're going to be talking about financial control in relationships. I hope you enjoy it and I'd love to hear your feedback. Take care. Welcome, Kate. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. Good, good. So tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Uh, well, I am a trauma and anxiety breakthrough practitioner, and I specialize in domestic abuse, um, uh, addictions, and um, complex post-traumatic stress disorder. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that's a lot, right? That's a, that's a lot. And that's, so how did you get into that, first of all? I got into it um, because I, I've been victim of domestic abuse um, myself. Um, that was, it was, I got into it as part of my whole, my own healing journey initially. Um, I think it's the case for a lot of women, right? We sort of personally experience things and then we want to help others to do, to do the same sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, for me, cause I've got a clinical background anyway, I do nutrition. My background is in nutrition. So it's, you know, it is, it's, I learn, I, I heal better when I learn cause I have to understand mm. why, um, and what's going on and and certainly for for narcissistic abuse to get out of a narcissistic abusive relationship knowledge is incredibly powerful yeah um, because without the knowledge it's very very difficult to understand because it's done so subtly um it's done in a way where you have they have you questioning your own um judgment um mm you end up blaming yourself. Are you going crazy? Sure. <laughs> Are you imagining it all? Am I blowing it all out of all proportion? <laughs> um, yeah. There's a way of it twisting back onto you. Yeah. Is this going, am I going mad? Is this me or is this, is this something else? And, we, and that can happen in, I think, in so many scenarios. I had this this week where I was thinking, hang on, should I be saying this to this person? Because they're going for a really bad time. Am I being a bit selfish here? We, we can have all times do when it's that but when you're when that's happening with one person all the time and you're thinking you're going mad constantly then that's not healthy for anyone no and for yourself so it's amazing that obviously you've you've been through this and you're now helping other people but it's not great that you had to go through that to then be able to give this gift back I guess mm. but what was it like in the beginning before all of the sort of trauma and stress happened what was your relationship like with the, your particular partner back then? Well, with 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 every every narcissistic relationship, um, it's it's magical in the beginning. Um, it is, um, you know, you they they're perfect. Um, they are everything that you always dreamed of. Um, because and it's that's by design it is literally it is really really very much by design um you know and this is why initially they you know a lot of a lot of narcissistic relationships do start off on online as well because right. it's a perfect place for them to gather information about you um it's a fact-finding exercise so that they know what you want 
Right. So they can be exactly what you want them to be. And they will like be. A chameleon, then. They're not really, them. they're not authentic and being themselves. No, no. Okay. They will end up liking, this, liking what you like. They will, yeah, they, they, it's, they, they put you into a state of, a state. I, I was literally, I was watching a recent video from Sam Bakkenen who's a professor of psychology who came up with the term narcissistic abuse and he's a self-aware narcissist himself um and he described it um they and it is when, when i when i i thought about it that the way he described it it's very it's so true they put you in an infantile state right so they take you back to that infantile state where they're giving you the love the unconditional love yeah. No what you've done, no matter, you know, what, what you, you know, your past, no matter n- n- all your flaws, they accept everything, everything, or that, that love is unconditional. And the only person that would ever give you that unconditional love is a mother. Mm. So when that love's taken away, that's painful. Mm. It's like a mother, if a mother withdraws their mm. love, that's, that's incredibly painful for any child to experience. Yeah. So put you in that infantile state they 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 in a lot of incidences you know with with many people who are in domestic abusive relationships it's quite common that the abuser rescues them in some way um whether that be emotionally whether that be financially but they rescue you right. um, they come they pick up the pieces for you and they make everything all better as you would expect a parent to do that <laughs> Yeah, right. So can you see where it's they take you back to that infantile stake? I'm in this yeah. situation and I'm, I'm not going to go. Are they self-aware of this? Like, do they know that this is what they're oh, doing? Yeah. Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah okay. because they, they need somebody. It's power and control. That's what they they crave. Right. Um, it, it's it's very much like, again, Sam Bakkenin describes it very much like a cult. They, they are the cult leader. They drag you into this cult-like situation. Um, and... Again, they draw you in by making you think that it's all magical and so wonderful, like any cult. Mm. Nobody yeah. goes into a cult thinking, oh, I'm going to be controlled. And <laughs> nobody does. They go in thinking the, these people, the, you know, this, this, this group of individuals have yeah. my back. They, they, you know, they, they get me. They understand me. Um, and, then, and then obviously the mask slips um because they can't keep up that facade no they're not being authentic about themselves they're just putting yeah. on, a, on a yeah great so yeah. but aren't some of those things what partners would do like paying a little bit of devil's advocate wouldn't some of those things you know your partner you know, if you went to your partner and said like, I've got this problem you know I think I'm going to be okay but I could do with a bit of help and the partner went yeah sure like I can help you let's let's do this together surely there's there's part of that anyway in any relationship there is um certainly not in the beginning right and that's when it starts okay so imagine you just started dating yeah um there is conditions to any relationship nothing's on particularly in the early days of a relationship it can be quite heavy quite quickly is what you're saying yeah it is it moves very very fast very very fast and that's okay. a reason it moves very, 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 very fast. Okay. I mean, I was living with living with mine within, oh gosh, I can't even tell you when, because it just, it just, it wasn't a time, it wasn't a situation where we said, I know, let's move in together. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> it just, it's all of a sudden you were living together and it was just how it was. Yeah. So how long did it take before the mask started to slip? Like you started to see things and what did, where did it start? Again, it happens so very, very slowly slowly um when I think back the um the signs probably started to appear just before we got engaged because we'd already decided we were getting engaged we bought the ring um and we had our official engagement night out where he put the ring on my finger and you know and all the 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 you know the the theatre. I mean, he got got the waiter to bring it out onto a onto a, a plate with some dessert and something. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that was when we were officially engaged. Um, but it was it was a it was a lead. I started to see the signs then, oh. but of course because I was very much trapped in that fairy tale, 
I can't wait to get my ring on my finger. I was very much trapped in that 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 fairy tale. Sure. You couldn't see the full truth of it. You, yeah. Yeah. Rose tinted glasses, maybe. Yeah. I again, the unconscious mind looks for reasons. It looks for looks for um reasons for everything. Um, because if there's a reason for it, well, I can fix that. If I can find a reason for something, I can fix it. Yeah. And you find that's very common with people who are codependent anyway. They 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 can quite often carry um traits of the proverbial um people pleaser, the proverbial fix. Sure. Um, you know, there's, there's there's a lot of women, right? A lot of women are people pleasers, especially if they're mothers and they're pleasing children. They've got used to pleasing everybody because they're not used to putting themselves first. Mm. And, and financially speaking, being sort of a codependent on someone, not just emotionally, but financially. Mm. What, how, how do you what, what are your thoughts when it comes to financial independence and when it comes to going into these relationships with anybody? You don't know at the time that at any relationship, right? Should we, as a as a society, be going into relationships saying, "I am, by the way, I'm not going to be like we're not going to be codependent financially. We're going to be individually financially independent, um, and all our finances should be separate. And I pay this much into the account, you pay this much into the account, and having that kind of quite bookkeeping, not very romantic conversation. Or do you think that when you're in this fairy tale land, that actually you know, if they're being very dependent and loving on you and you're giving you all these things and it feels amazing and no one's ever done that for you before, that we should all sort of give it that sort of face value and hope that it's going to be a loving relationship and it's all good. <laughs> I think it's a case of, you know, because unfortunately a lot of people who have been in situations like this, they can go to the other extreme um where they they do it exactly how you've just 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 described which is very very clinical that's not the way to build a a loving and trusting no. relationship is it <laughs> let's be fair no. so it, it's about finding balance um my advice to anybody would be because again you know if you get into a relationship you don't know how it's going to work out we, we don't you know we like to be opt- of course we want to be optimistic but we've got to be realistic as well. Um, and by making yourself so heavily dependent on somebody financially, that's not to say that you know, you don't. And because I, I, I'm still of the mindset, even though I've been through what I've been through, I'm still of the mindset that marriage is a union and you know, you are in, you're, you're in this together. That's sure. what I, I still have that, those core values of, yeah. of what marriage lo- looks like. So I've not lost that. No. Um, and a lot of people do lose that when they've gone through narcissistic, particularly narcissistic abuse. It's very easy to lose it because it's a protection mechanism. Well, if I keep Let it go. All, all myself, yeah. well, you can't hurt me now. Yeah. But you've, you've got to have a degree of vulnerability, I believe, in any yeah. relationship. But, you know, if you are a stay-at-home mom and you do not have, you lose your your, your ability to earn. Sure. It's not a case of, um, it's not a case of um, not helping each other and not allowing your partner to support you and, and everything else. It's about losing your ability to earn because when when things do go pear-shaped or if things go pear-shaped you are left high and dry mm. particularly if you that's up- my concern for a lot of women right you know and I've had to personally I've had to really hold on to that um, element of working um yeah. over the over the years I've been with my partner 22 mm. years I've been met him when I was 19 and I'm 41 41 now 42 this year and we were boyfriend and girlfriend and then got engaged and then we got married and I was 28 around then when we had my first child 26 27 when I got married 28 when I had my first um and I had my second at 35 34 35 Mm. um big big age gap super interesting dynamics in the family because of that and we're, you know, we've had, of course, we've had ups and downs. And as any any relationship would, it's there's there's none of that fairy tale that stuff. 
and I'm not saying it doesn't happen I love him to bits and like even just recently he's been an absolute superstar in looking after me for several reasons the things that have been going on um but I've had to sort of stand my ground there's been times where I was applying for jobs when I got made redundant um when I sort of wasn't doing the business and my business has been going for 10 years the business wasn't doing so well at the beginning when I came back from maternity leave I had to sort of pick things up all over again and you know you know for care reasons him and my dad were of a situation going just well just go and get a little part-time job working in a bank you know why, why not just go and work in a bank Becky and that's what I used to do when I was 19 that's where I started and it's it's said with love and care but I've had to you know at times I've, I've I talk about this quite openly this is not a new thing to say but you might not know this Kate that um financially we're in an advantage where I don't physically have to work if I didn't want to and I wanted to be a stay-at-home mum yeah several times I've been in a position that I could could be but I've chosen not to be now you have to think about what crazy person would want to work um well, when you're running a business that you love and you enjoy it doesn't quite always feel like work all the time even though it's you know there's there's a lot to do you're working evening some sometimes weekends there's, there's a lot lot to be done um but I'm driven by my own drives my own desires my own wishes for our family above Pat just paying the bills and getting by right um so what my so when I say when I say these things about being financially independent, I'm not saying it from like this ivory tower of perception that all women should no, no, there should be no stay at home mums, right? Because that's not re, that's not realistic. For some people, there is a situation where they were where they were working, they might have got made redundant. There's no opportunities in that industry at the moment. It might be that the hours that they need now for childcare that they can't actually find a job that's suitable. If they went back to work, they'd actually spend more time at work than they would even seeing their children and dropping them off at nursery at six o'clock in the morning and picking up at seven o'clock at night. There's, there's, there's multitude of reasons why people make the choices that they do. But for me, it's all about making an informed choice. So you're making it from whether it's a relationship that's a loving relationship and now you're having children or you're starting out in a relationship like you said about that balance and what I'm really interested in is like, as women, what conversations, starters, or how can we eloquently approach these conversations with partners without it becoming not an argument? Because if it becomes an argument, then there's, there's something to be concerned of, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I find a lot of men are in that protective role. They're wanting things to be quite straightforward and quite simple how do we have these conversations that are saying that these are my desires this is what I want for my life this is what I want for our children this is what I want for us in our relationship and I'm saying genders male and female but obviously you know gender neutral in in many respects I'm just using that for ease of uh, explanation um I'd love to know what your thoughts are on that I think it's probably a case of um, having, because I know, I mean, for me, I mean, I've always been in, um, I was always, always in business, even prior to me, me meeting my husband. Um, and I mean, when I, I was, I, I was having to, I knew when I had my daughter, I had to, um, I couldn't be doing 12 hour days stood on my feet in a clinic. It was, it was, it wasn't feasible. Um so I knew I had to adapt how I was working. And because I also did nutrition, that's when I was going to do more. I was, my, my thought process was going down the line of doing an online nutrition program and things like that, particularly of things I'd learned when, you know, with clients working face-to-face and um, the problems that I'd, I'd, I'd come up against with that. Um, and I knew them having things to refer to would eliminate them like, ringing me and saying oh I've forgotten about what you said here Mm. Um, so um it's a case of that was my purpose in life um that's not to say that my daughter isn't my purpose of course she is but when you have a passion for something else and that Mm. that is taken away from you you lose part of your identity so it's about keeping your identity and who you are um and I think that's the best way to approach it Mm. yes I'm a mother but I'm not just a mummy Mm. I'm not just a mum and a wife 
Mm. I think that's the approach that needs to be taken um, without directly accusing your husband of potentially going to financially abuse you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, which is a, few, a very hot subject. And we're talking about in this, this series of podcasts that we're going through because economic and financial abuse are, you know, unfortunately, even in the subtlest of ways. So if you have a partner who is basically restricting you from working in some way, whether that's taking a car away whether that's saying, no, you're not going for that interview, whether that's even just is discouraging you to actually, you know, take that, those, those next steps, you know, well, what about the kids, you know, that, that sort of form of manipulation. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you, we, we, you can call it narcissistic or not. The person in general might not actually be a clinically diagnosed narcissist, but they are often selfish in their approach because they're thinking about what they're used to, what the makeup of the family is at, at yeah. that time. But legally speaking, it's actually economic abuse, and it's a it's it's you could you can t- it's a criminal offence to actually to do these things now, um, and that that's what um, I think is really interesting is that how like you say how do you approach these conversations saying I think like you say it's all about identity, and I see here a lot of my friends who have now had children and they've had follow up children. I've got one particular friend who. She's got another little boy, he's about seven, eight months old, and she's just, she's bored. She's just terribly bored. She's bored of the routine of the day, like the school run, going home, trying to find something to do, the toddler group. Like for me, like I, I, I love my little boy. He's so adorable. He's a sweet little say. thing. Um, but I hated the the play groups and the you know the mums chatting at the school gates it just wasn't me I found it you know like when you bump into a half like someone really that's a stranger and you start talking about the weather it just feels not fulfilling it's just not fulfilling it's not filling me up and bringing me any kind of joy <laughs> it's mentally draining it is mentally yeah. draining. I actually just watched a, a TikTok video just recently I think I shared it on my Facebook page actually and it was a it was a man who um um he's he's obviously very aware now as to how he messed up his marriage (laughs) um and he's very very honest about how he messed up his marriage and how he took his wife for granted um and um you know he he openly said you know it may not be a difficult job looking after you looking after your children but in 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 bite-sized chunks yeah 24 hours a day it becomes very, very mundane and it is mentally draining. Yeah. It's mentally draining. And that is different to being going out to work and because you're occupied all the time, your, your day is not, is very mixed up. Whereas yeah. when you are just stuck at home and you've got no adult interaction, all you are engaging in is baby talk and children yeah, talk yeah it's, it's, it's not stimulating right yeah. I know yeah. that when I I got made redundant when I was 28 weeks uh, no I was I was 28 years old and I was six six or 12 weeks pregnant 16 mm-hmm. weeks or uh, 12 weeks pregnant and it was about six months before the recession was officially announced so I work in financial services obviously and I did back then um, there were no jobs in anywhere for a, quite a number of uh, a time so um, I, I signed on. <laughs> I went to the job centre. I couldn't get a job. I was overqualified. Um, I literally, I, especially because of my upbringing, I, my job was part, a massive part of my identity. And for years, even after, I, I sort of was very driven by fit, fulfilling myself in terms of, you know, that I was good enough. Because at school, I was always classed as the one that I wouldn't be doing what I was supposed to be doing. So being a financial advisor now when I was growing up, um, I didn't do well at school. I didn't do well in maths. I didn't do well at, um, in, in school at all. I went to college and then I went straight into the working environment. But I had other skills that, which in the education system just didn't pick up on. And my, my learning became later in life. I learned how, figured out how I studied better, not in a school environment. Mm. So things changed, things moved. But back then I'd had this work so hard from working in a bank as a temp to being a regional sales manager and then being made redundant and I became just a mum and I used to say oh, I'm just a mum I'd go to a barbecue before I'd be like oh yeah I'm a regional sales manager mm-hmm. and then I became oh, I'm just a mum now I've got I haven't got a job what does your what's your job what do you do I don't have a job I'm just a mum and that's like but that language and what that was telling myself how I was talking to myself is horrendous it's terrible 
Um, and everyone would say, oh, but, you know, being a mom is amazing. It's the best thing you could ever do. You know, they're only small for a little while and it goes so quickly. But at that time, I was just, like screaming inside going, please help me. Like, I want I want something more than this. And I ended up working in a, a charity as a part time administrator. And it was, I did that for about a year. And it took me that long to build up my confidence before I was able to even consider coming back into the industry and, and getting another job. Um, so certainly I'm talking about these things from very much from experience and, and so many women have been through the same situations. Funny actually, because I just, I, I saw a post that somebody put up on, on LinkedIn um, the other day and it really hit home with me. <laughs> um, she's, she was putting herself back out there. Um, she just got out of a domestic, she got out of a domestic abusive relationship. Um, and um, obviously she lost herself. She lost her identity. She lost who she was. Um, she took a warehouse job um, just to really pay the bills after she got out of that abusive relationship. Um, but that wasn't her profession. And she was struggling because she'd lost her identity. She'd lost who she was. But she said, but you, what you won't realise is, is that you won't realise any of this had been going on because my status on my LinkedIn profile has always been that I am doing what I'm trained to do. And it's funny, I've always done that. So it's looked like I've got a business, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. And in reality, mm. I was doing nothing because I was forbidden to do anything. I was forbidden. Right. What you see, an element, what you do, the reason you do that is because, well, if I show the whole, show the world that something different, because again, very many abusive relationships, you are very much forbidden to speak out. Um, <clears throat> so by putting on that facade, okay, so look, this isn't real, but this is what I'm doing, but it's not real. You know, it's not real. So there's an element of you like kidding yourself. Right. And also, so if you can kid an element of you, you can pretend everything's okay. You can kid the rest of the world as well. Right. Um, you know, so it, 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 that is so common as well. It really is common. Um, yeah. And I think it's, it, it's how, do, how do these women that are in these relationships or normal relationships that, where the things have just been a certain way for so long, and they might have children now going to, to school, maybe secondary school, or they might be thinking about um, nursery age, or they might be thinking about school age at five, turning to four, turning five, um, where things have been this way a certain way. And it, I mean, I'm assuming the conversation starter from, I'm saying female, but let's just say the, the main caregiver, mm -hmm. um, having a conversation with another partner is very different from a conversation when you're with a you know somebody that's very very selfish or like basically a narcissist mm -hmm. um how do you, how would you say that those conversations would would happen how do you start to open up and engage and say hey i don't want to change the makeup here i want to make i want to do things completely differently to how you're used to doing things it's going to mean that i need more from you and you're going to be put out and things aren't going to be the same anymore <laughs> Well, you know, if it if it is a you know a, a give and take relationship, then you know that other partner will be more than willing to accept that this has to be a give and take situation, you know, um, you know. But when it's when you are in an abusive relationship and there is an element of of, of financial abuse going on, that won't happen. Um, your doesn't matter, you know, what you um, what what you do in your job, it will still be seen as insignificant compared to what they're doing they're they're providing more for the family than what you are regardless of what you're doing um, yeah, I hear that a lot I yeah. hear that a lot especially for women that have gone self-employed I got that a lot from my husband um in fact he would quote unquote um he would say you've got no idea what it's like to work to 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 work in corporate I'm like but no I haven't I've not worked in corporate, but I've run my own business. Well, that's different. How is it different? How is it different? I understand you're talking about pressure to me. This is the topic. This is you're telling me I don't understand the pressure that you are experiencing by working in the corporate space. 
And what you're saying is, just because I run a business, that's nowhere near the same pressure that you've had. You know, in some ways you could argue, well, it's more pressure because actually when you leave work, that's not a problem anymore. But running a business, that's your problem 24-7 because everything lies on your door. Um, so, you know, it, but it was, it was very much like devaluing, well, what you're providing. That, that scenario. Mm, exactly. That scenario. And, and what you, what we were saying there about, um, well, uh, my, my job's more important um, because it's, I'm earning more. Mm. Therefore, almost my role needs to be protected. My role needs to be, my time needs to be the most, um, you know, because I'm in corporate and I need to just be able to be available at any time. And it doesn't matter. I've got another friend that he's not in corporate, um, but he does run a business um, and he's got a big team that's reliant on him. And the owner of the business does very little. That Literally, it's on this person's shoulders. He's got a huge amount of responsibility. And he so in terms of childcare, it's taken her years of conversations and being ready herself and feeling strong enough and saying, no, this is this is what's happening. Um, And I've been talking to her about things that she could do to enable that transition and he, he's now supporting her he's you know he's on board but it's taken quite a lot of time for them to to get to that stage it, you know I think it could be quite easy for people to give up um, and if you have got a strong character where it is just easier for you to go oh do you know what this is just too much hassle this was going to be hard enough for me to go from being you know mum on the school run to getting the kids out the door and then not having any help and then having to go to work and come home and then didn't work all day and then to kick the dinner and if I'm not going to have any support in this like this this might feel too much I think what is the, the, the main issue when you're in a, an abusive relationship and you there is financial abuse it isn't as simple as just making that decision and having that conversation with the other person because you can't have that conversation with that other person it's not going to be not going to be received well and you know because it's how it's you know how it's going to be received what that's going to result in yeah so so, and and there's, there's a lot of devaluing that goes on I mean you know I mean as soon as my my husband stopped me from working I mean, he basically quote unquote. I mean, I've got I've got text evidence to, to prove this. He actually is actually saying, and this was like after he he locked us out, um, and I was filing for divorce four years. Oh well, over four years ago now, and he talked me out of it. He said in the text evidence, remember, it's you that wants to divorce me. I'd forget it all on two conditions. Number one, you forget any ideas of wanting to do any work until. Sophia's at least in full-time education but ideally I don't want you to work until she leaves full-time leaves leaves education because that's what my mentor did for his wife that's what my mentor's wife did for him to support his career so that is what I expect from my wife and the condition was he wow, was sorry can I, wow oh yeah <laughs> the psychology of somebody to yeah. the ego of somebody to yeah. say that I mean my, my husband works as he, he's a very senior role in an, a, a law firm um he's a director he runs a massive like you know millions of pounds of projects um and <laughs> if he said that to me I would just absolutely laugh in his face and then yeah. we've had some of these conversations mm. where you know okay well how's this going to work because you know especially before lockdown when he's having to go into London or like early in the morning till late at night we've had these conversations and it you know it did at first feel a bit prickly it wasn't it wasn't ideal but we could have we could have the conversations you know but I hear what you're saying about if you even approached it it with somebody that kind of mentality then then I, I I would get I got I got um you are there was a lot of devaluing that went on from the moment he said I mean it started off very um supportive um he was like look don't you worry because he knew I was trying to get this online program sorted and that was and obviously I'd had a c-section and I'd suffered preeclampsia and everything and just trying to get my, myself on my feet find my feet being a new mom he's like don't you worry I've got this I can support us all um you just focus on being a mom for our daughter that's the most important thing. And I thought, obviously, being, being, having, being always doing something, it was like, oh, okay. Wow, but, okay. But, you know, 
it was a short term thing for me. And I did actually try to get going with, with, with doing something. In fact, I even paid for on, on, my, on my credit card because again, he wouldn't give me any money. Um, I paid for on my credit card a, a nanny for a short period of time, just for a couple of hours, you know, you know yeah, could, to help. Yeah. Just so I could get something done. Did he let you do that? Would he, would you have you let you, did he know about the nanny? He actually didn't discuss it with him. Yeah. Um, I just paid for it on my credit card, hoping yeah. that the, 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 I think there was still an element of me there, um, clinging on to my, my independence yeah. and my purpose um, but then, of course, that's when the, the abuse started to ramp up. Um, um, that would have been around around the time that um, he first threatened to kill me. Wow. Um, because uh, you were going outside of what he wanted, right? He, you, were, you were pushing the boundaries, right? Yeah. Wow. I would get told I was a, um, I was a failure. A business um that I was um everything I was called everything, everything. yeah yeah everything. I was be called a gold digger <laughs> what gold was the second thing then so you said that sorry I interrupted you because I was just so blown away by the ego of that message you oh yeah the the, first thing. what was the, the second thing? thing the other thing was he he wanted me so the other condition was that I Bear in mind, he wanted, and this is what narcissists narcissist, narcissist essentially want, this perfect, picture-perfect wife. Right. That is, they want a mother figure, yeah. essentially, because they've never really had that proper mother figure. Right. So they want somebody to mother them, in a nutshell. Right. right. Um, so he wanted, I mean, and, and he suffered severe OCD. I mean, I'm talking, I mean, I've, when, I, when, I, when I say it, it is quite funny when I say it, but it actually wasn't funny at the time. Yeah. You know, like sleeping with the enemy where everything has to be like. like yeah. I, don't, I sometimes joke that my husband, he says things like, uh, towel discipline so it was the kids are a nightmare of towels right I've got a teenager as well so we've all got a colored towel and um so we wind him up about it and it's now like a joke but it's fine but I think if you were <laughs> he was like you know I could be cooking and I kid you not I mean how can you cook anything with a sauce and it not splash it, it, you can't it's, it's impossible <laughs> it is well he will be coming up behind me and wiping up at the one spot I'm like I'd be literally on pins wow it was horrendous wow. Um, so you couldn't wind him up about like ill towel discipline then. No, no, no. Complete <laughs> coming. I'd, I'd pick him because at the time he, he'd lost his license for drink driving. So okay, him off at work with our you know with our daughter in the car and then coming coming back home, and he'd come in and he'd expect the house to be spotless if there was toys all. I mean, how when you got a young child, how can you not have yeah. toys all in the living room? Yeah, toys all over the place. I'm not happy about this um there's sink there's pots in this in there's pots in the sink now bearing in mind I <clears throat> she wasn't sleeping because of she was picking up on everything that was going yeah. on so she was also already primed for danger so that's why she wasn't sleeping um you know so it was a big problem it was a real yeah. big why I'm I'm trying I'm not sleeping um I, I was then towards the end trying starting to I developed my a Crohn's flare so I was poorly anyway and I'm trying to look after this little person. And then yeah. he's expecting me to keep the house spotless. Um, so his, his other condition was, was that I, because um, I said, look, I need some help then. I'll, I'll need to put her into some, you know, to, to, to nursery for a couple of hours. If that's what you want, because otherwise I can't do it. I can't do it. Yeah. And his, 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 his response was, because he didn't think he should pay for that. How did you pay for it? But right. he doesn't want me to work, but he doesn't want to contribute anything towards our child, really, unless he has to. Um, so his, his answer to that was, tell your dad to pay for some childcare. That's crazy. Oh, oh yeah. And I mean, that's been proved with the, with the process that we're going through with the financial proceedings in court now. Um, he's actually say, he's actually saying that he's calculated every penny he's given me from the moment he locked us out. Right. Um, like money he's given me to support our daughter. Right. <laughs> he wants to knock that off any settlement. <laughs> right. 
and the judge. I hope you've got a good lawyer because uh, that sounds ridiculous. Well, the judge said straight away. She said, "There's no way that you can deduct off money to support the child." I mean, no. Um, yeah. <laughs> At least the British system's working somewhat, but it sounds like this has been going on for quite some time for you. Well, I mean, and yeah, and this, this is a thing, unfortunately, you know, I, I would I would love to say to somebody that making the decision to leave, gaining that strength to leave is the end of it. Mm, it's a long journey after carries on and carries on and carries on they use the finance the court system the family court system to continue financially abusing you it's very common um it's not even paying child maintenance he's tried every trick in the book i'm not the biological father also yeah yeah any 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 excuse to avoid paying out because as far as he's concerned yeah unless i have control over you well i shouldn't have to contribute towards our child which is crazy it's absolutely crazy and 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 if we we think about this for a second we're in a situation where in in this scenario whether it's uh, an abusive partner or just an old-fashioned partner in the sense of and I'm not talking about them being abusive but someone with an old-fashioned mentality where their ideal of life is that they basically have got a 1950s wife um and they stay at home and and I know I know people that have done that and um, for years and unfortunately I see them get divorced and they get more money especially if he's done well with his career based on the fact that well the only reason that you've got that career is because she she I'm saying gender gender just a general here she generally speaking it's a she has um, supported that other person whilst having children Um, and you know we've got a very much more of a parental responsibility now it's it's more 50 50 but still when it comes to you have a partner that has literally taken care we're talking not younger relationships or younger children usually the children are that bit older um that the next level of fight is okay but the children are okay you can have maintenance of the children until they're 18 that's only two years away um what about the last 16 20 years that i've put into the relationship that i've I've not now got my own I haven't now got my own financial independence yeah yeah and I've, I've seen clients who have been there and they get a pension which is great they might you know if you, if you fight for the pension which is important unfortunately a lot of women are having to scrabble to get a roof over their head because property prices are so high but I have a couple of clients who thankfully that the partner was wealthy enough that the splitting of assets meant that she still got half a million pound pension and a, and a roof over her head with no mortgage um, and there was enough money to go around. But unless you're, I would probably edge on the side of ultra high net worth, um, certainly high net worth um, in terms of your assets and the, what's to go around. Um, but I find a lot of people that have been in with financial poor relationships, sometimes the other part, part, partner is actually not that good with finances. I mean, I've got no mortgage capacity now. Mm. because I've because I use forbidden to me to work all mm. this time um, I have no mortgage capacity so mm. even when he locked us out I couldn't even rent without a guarantor no, no. down so it leaves you in a very very vulnerable position very vulnerable position. Um, I mean this is why why I why I say that you know if if you have if you have an ability to earn when a marriage when a marriage or relationship breaks down yeah and you've got a a sustainable and a sustainable and and you know a a substantial a substantial enough income yeah. to support yourself and the children if need be mm. you have the luxury then of sticking two fingers up at your abuser and saying do you know what i mean it's like my situation He's in our marital home. He has been since he locked us out. He doesn't want to sell the marital home. He's going to all sorts of efforts to avoid everything. I yeah. <laughs> um, now, and it's delayed, delayed, delayed. I mean, and it is, it's emotionally and mentally draining. Because you can't move on properly financially oh, no. until this has been settled. And you said four years ago you left? Well, it, it is, but it's only a year since I filed for divorce. Uh, right. 
because I kept I because again he sold it to me and I because it had money offering me and I was like okay well I was I'm poorly at the time plus poorly I knew I couldn't survive on what he was telling me I could have he was telling he actually told me he wasn't going to pay any child maintenance I either took this one lump sum which is a small amount it's so scary it's so financially manipulating especially when you're in a situation where you can't support yourself because and and then there you're trying to play along with a game with them so that they they're good so that they give you money so at least then you but at the end of the day they don't want you to file divorce because then they've lost control completely and also they don't want you to file for divorce because especially people get often I hear more wound up once they've had legal representation it's one thing talking about divorce then it's different when you've actually got an actual lawyer engaged and that, that usually you see a different response because then they know the whole reason they don't want divorce is because they know that actually you can have half of everything um oh well, that's, that's a bare minimum that's a bare oh minimum. yeah that's yeah. A, yeah exactly and and that works both ways so I, I have had uh, couples who have separated where the female is earning more money and he's been looking after the children it, but it goes both ways it's gender, it's gender neutral it's not one way for so just just rounding up now because I, I love talking to you today Kate and I've really enjoyed thank you for sharing your story and I think it's so important for women like you that are have su- survived basically years of ab- abuse um, at hands of a, let's just call him a selfish man because that's what it is at the end of the day um, and what I'd like to do is if we can is to give people who are in relationships where they might be struggling with these conversations or in relationships where they feel like they these things are happening what can they do to walk away because like you said that you can't have this conversation then right if you're in a real true narcissistic relationship you won't be able to have these conversations if you're just with someone that's a little bit selfish and got a bit of a wrong mentality towards you working then maybe we just need to sit down and have a conversation and I'm part of I've been part of a program called One of Many, which is a coaching kind of um, personal development program. And they talk about, I've, I've mentioned this in podcast, previous podcasts, what's called a framing conversation. And I'm, I actually mentioned this to a client the other day um, where she needed to approach uh, with her partner about how much they were going to spend on their house. They wanted to spend about 50 grand on a kitchen and he wasn't, she wasn't sure how much of it he was going to contribute to. And she had a lot of money from on the side. And we talked about, well, if you could take all of your money and going to pay for the new kitchen, if you was to separate, and this is just me talking, this is how I talk to people all the time. So I'm very much used to it. And I said, excuse, I'm not saying you're separating. They weren't planning on separating. But if you're going to take a hundred grand and invest it all in one go, and he's got money already, I think it's a conversation to be had of like, okay, am I spending all of this money? And what you can do is do something called a deed of trust. So you can write up on the deeds that basically you've got an extra hundred grand share. So if you was to separate in the future, that it's, it's written there. Now, if, if you've got, a, um, it's difficult in some relationships to have those kind of conversations, but she needed to have this conversation. There was lots of things that were, were, she was putting off and they weren't buying the kitchen. They weren't doing the work because they, she didn't want to have this conversation. So a framing conversation goes something like this. And I said, do you find that you randomly blurt stuff at him when he's in the middle of doing something else or cooking dinner or about to sit down? And he's in the frame of mind where whatever you're saying to him, it's like he's not hearing it. She said, yeah, yeah, all the time. I said, and look, you know, she's quite a masculine in her energy. She's got a very good business. She's sort of getting things done. So we sort of then going in with masculine with, with a masculine energy and that that's never a good, a good combination. Um, so what you do is you um, say, look, I think we need to have a chat about this new kitchen and this sort of scenario. Um, I just want to talk about some of the finances with it and what type of kitchen you're looking for um, when we should start and just have a general chat about it. But let's wait until the weekend, have a little think. Um, when would be best for you? Which we do it Sunday morning? Should we go for a walk? Can I have a coffee? And so between now and then, they're then thinking about that. They're considering that, mulling it over. So that when they're sitting down having a conversation, quite often men will want to come in with the, the solution. And quite often they say, okay, well, this is, this is what I think we should do. And this is how it could work. And then that way, it's a much more natural way of then delving into the next level of that. Okay, well, how much are you paying for? How much am I paying for? How, can we, how are we going to go about doing this? Um, so that's like a bit of a framing conversation for anyone that's think, listening to this. That's like, okay, I, I'm, I, my relationship's okay, but I do need to have we do we do need to have a chat about money and about finances, about me going back to work, or how we're going to pay for childcare when I do go back to work, or whatever it is. Um, that's a bit of a framing con- conversation. 
have you got any any tips that you might suggest Kate you know, I think I think it's you know if it is something that is important then you know that conversation needs to be had um but again for some people that can put a it can make the relationship very business-like mm. and kind of moves away from what a relationship is I mean certainly mm. for me um which I think is puts certainly puts much more emphasis on the fact that okay so what we have as a marital couple is one thing but if I've got my own ability to earn mm. if then things go pear shape and you mm. start being difficult through the process <laughs> we do break up at least I have the luxury then to decide okay do I stick because it can it honestly I can can't tell you how emotionally draining the financial the, the court process is it is it oh, is I hear it so all the time it's horrendous and and I, and I will be brutally honest with you if I had the luxury of being able to provide the lifestyle that my daughter deserves and is entitled to and I didn't need money go through that I, I, I kid you not I will be easier for me emotionally and psychologically to stick two fingers up, up at him and say you, know you rot in your house mm. we don't need you we don't yeah. need you. and but you see that without the ability to have that ability to earn sure. that luxury unfortunately sure. you have to stick it out and you have to endure everything that's thrown at you throughout that whole process what so, do you do differently next time then how I mean I know you said right at the beginning that you still you know you, you still believe in marriage you still believe in um you know supporting each other you still believe in um, being there for each other and you know you don't just dis, you know don't disbelieve in you know it's all about having the ability to you know go and have the income potential and doing what you like and you enjoy because it feels you know fills you up it feels makes you feel good about yourself um what would you do differently next time I would I would never never be never uh, be dependent on another man ever again I would always maintain a ability to make my own my own income um my own ability to earn um regardless of what we what we had together mm. I, I know I always have my my own ability to earn yeah. so even if he does want to be the provider because a lot of men do want to be I mean yeah. so masculinity you know they want to be the protector they want to be the provider and you know sure. to take that away from a man is that that's you know that I don't think believe that's good good either no. Um, you know they we, we both have our roles don't we? we have we you know we need to stay within our feminine role as well but we need to yeah, know is that being it's about having the, the masculine and feminine energy like it, it, yeah. it, it, in the relationship yeah um I've, I've got some real um uh masculine energy women like I said where they, they, that plays different ways but in their relationships with each other they're still a man and a female in the in the energy sense I think um, it, needs to, it needs to stay you need I think when you're in the relationship you need that that masculine feminine role yeah because if you've got two masculine roles in the relationship it's a recipe for disaster mm. that's not the foundations to build a a successful relationship as far as I'm concerned wait the way I view it anyway sure but you still need that element of masculinity I suppose in a way as a female to protect yourself future yeah. yourself you're yeah. future-proofing yourself you know that well okay so you know things haven't worked out but I'm not solely dependent on you and I so I can decide to walk away whenever I want to walk away yeah so women that for any women that are um maybe newer to relationships you know that um are not necessarily in a narcissistic relationship but they're certainly in a relationship where it, it, it they, they need to sort of lay down what they're what they want do you think we as women we can turn around and, and be as clear as what you've just said it and say I'll never be financially independent on you like do you think we can be as as direct as that yeah I would say if, whenever whenever if ever I get into another relationship I will I will I will watch out I will never be financially dependent on another another man ever again. Never. Yeah. No matter how much they promise me, no matter how much they reassure me, it's not even about it's I mean, yes, there's an element of their needing to protect 
myself and my daughter for the future but it's me having my own purpose he, he I lost myself with my husband he mm. I was a shadow of myself mm. it's keeping your identity um and having, it's not about who pays what bill and no, who pays that much for the no. shopping or it's none of that it's about how it makes you feel in 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 that in that sense you know what I mean you know if you know I mean it's like you know things like you know something you know when you know we could go out for dinner you know that you know it's their masculine role they want to pay well don't take that away from them Mm. um you know go to the theater they want to let them that is their masculine role they are doing what they're they're designed to do um, are we are we though then in that scenario i mean some some might say well no i want to i want it to be 50 50 you you feminists go i'm talking about myself here you feminists want it equal so i'm playing a bit of devil, devil's advocate with this comment um you want it 50 50 so you can have it all 50 50 i mean if if you, if you was in someone with a relationship <laughs> with someone like that would that bother you but then you know i think when you're married everything becomes a joint pot unless you've got mm. a prenuptial agreement <laughs> <laughs> everything becomes the marital pot yeah. that is the reality so it doesn't really matter and when you so I mean it's like in the in the instant in the, the example that you're using um with that kitchen scenario unless it's put into a legal document yeah it's, you can have all the conversations you like it doesn't mean anything no it it's all supports everything it's 50 50 that's it yeah. and then yeah. the courts will decide whose needs are greater and if you the children are with you then your needs are greater than than theirs unfortunately sure. so it all becomes irrelevant so that's yeah. what i'm saying there's no point in having these conversations yeah because when you go through a divorce, it's all a mute point unless you've got a prenuptial agreement in place. Yeah, right. And, and obviously it does depend on um, how old the children are um, um, as well. If they're, for example, they're much older, um, but, but that doesn't affect, you know, it's still divorce. You still have to go through the courts from a divorce perspective. Exactly. Um, it doesn't even yeah. matter. Even if you get divorced when the children are older, it's still a mute point. You're in a marriage. The marriage is a union. Mm. Um, it's a legally binding union. Yeah. Everything. And the only thing that isn't, isn't, and this has been said to me firsthand by the judge, the only thing that isn't seen as, as part of the marital pot is critical illness money. Yeah. But even if, and this is why when people go through a divorce, you have to get a clean break settlement agreement paying for that because let's say either party comes into some inheritance money even though the divorce is complete and finalized yeah you've settled your finances without a clean break settlement it means that you can come after them for part of a inheritance Payout. I spoke to a solicitor a few days ago and I oh. said, well, why not? Why can't you just get on, go online and just divorce online? And we're, we're prepping for the, one of the shows that are coming up in hopefully a few weeks' time. And um, she said, because for that exact reason, if you don't do it properly, you know, you could go and divorce and do it online, but you'll be divorced, but you could actually have financial redress and come back and, um, and, and, and future take money from them. It's uh, exactly so. Even if you had a bit, you had a you know, nutrition business that you had that kind of business whilst you were married to them and now that business is, is successful that online course is making you lots of money then they could actually come back and say well actually I, I should have a share of that they would have a share but so they would have a share of that biz whatever money you're making but once you have that clean break settlement you have and you you have the so even if you say okay do you know what let's just I don't want to go through this um it's too messy let's just get the divorce and have it done out of the way if you're making equal amounts of money, there's nothing mm. to be gained by going through the financial proceeding, the court court proceedings. There's nothing to be gained. So if you've got the ability to support your children, you have that choice to say, okay, well, let's just get the divorce out of the way. Let's just have a clean break settlement um, that you walk away with your part, I walk away with mine, and jobs are good. And but I know that I have the ability to provide. A, a standard of lifestyle for me, myself and my children mm. that with or without you yeah 
but yeah. without that ability you, you you are you don't have that choice the choice is taken out of your hands so unless you've done a, a legal agreement yeah you can have all the conversations in the world and it means yeah. nothing it means nothing yeah. Unless not, not certainly from a, di- a divorce perspective, no. Divorce. So, that's what I mean. There's no point in having those conversations. You, you, you're better off ring fencing your. I mean, if you and if you if it's somebody who, um, is already. Uh, I mean, it's like me. You know, I was. I I made that. I started reach because I knew I had to heal. I knew I had to find myself again. And I started that process before I, I fell for divorce because wow. I, knew, I knew most people know that are in domestic abusive relationships and who are being financially abused. They know at some point or they hope at some point they'll leave. Mm. But once you have that awareness of what's happening to you, first and foremost, you need to start planning. OK, so how am I going to get out of this situation? Because currently I'm solely dependent on you. Yeah. How am I going to get myself out of this? So for me, it was, I need to heal. And then I need to need to learn. And then I need to find myself, which is going to give me the ability to find myself again. And then that's going to give me the ability to earn. Yeah. I, I found well, you to work, to work on. You only do one thing at a time, right? I know that you're from, baby from maybe. Steps. Definitely. Yeah baby step so it, it's about deciding that, that was my choice that was my my process that I took that might not look the same for everybody you know so that's like that that girl on LinkedIn I said to you about you know she decided you know it was completely not out of her profession but she got a warehouse job but she didn't have any children hmm. so it's very different for her um but that was her choice to I just need to pay the bills I need to pay the bills I need to find myself I need to heal to be able to get get myself to a point where I can get back into my profession so it's coming up with a plan um and coming up with that plan before you leave because you need a safe exit plan and that's a key point of getting out of this you need a safe exit plan and you need to think okay so how am I going to fund x y and z you need to plan in advance what you're going to do yeah sure and I think that's a really good point and I think I think we, we, let's wrap it up and leave it there. Is that what's the plan? What's the exit? How are you going to get there? Um, and years ago, we used to have, we used to, I don't know, my nan used to talk about having, um, I think it had a swear word in it, so I better not say it, but it was like a get out of jail quickly kind of uh, account or an envelope. And I think even if you're, if you're able to ask for financial help and you can start to build up those funds, um, giving yourself an option where you could put some rent down, you know, deposit down somewhere, you, it, it would be the, the first step, right? Um, and making sure that you're where you can move towards having some financial stability, um, yeah. even if it's very small steps, yeah. um, it's moving in the right direction. Yeah. Amazing. I've really enjoyed our chat today, Kate. Thank you so much for joining us. And before you go, do you want to just tell us a, a little bit about your book? Yeah, so the the book is. Let me grab one for you. Show you. Um, so the book is Domestic Abuse Breakthrough Formula, um, and it takes you through step by the step by step process of you know getting out of a safe safety exit plan, um, understanding your abuser. Um, like I said, that's a very important part of it. Um, um, understanding how you've got into that mess in the first place, um, because it will also a lot of it there'll, there'll be a lot of it will stem back to your childhood and what you, what you've associated with love um so it's you know it's get it healing those wounds so that you don't repeat history again um and then it's moving on to a stronger a stronger version of you um so there is a there is a process to it um unless we heal those wounds we're going to repeat the cycle all over again amazing uh, well here's to your future financial independence Kate and um, looking after you and your your daughter going forward thank you so much for sharing your story with us today and you'll be able to see in the show notes and if you're listening to this via a blog in the blog notes um, the links to Kate's books if there's stuff here that's resonated with you today then go and check that out and have a little look at her process and equally if you know somebody that's maybe going through something like this Um, then equally do um, maybe buy it for them um, and have it available 
for them to come round to you and read it at your home. I'm not sure I'd suggest people take this book home nope. if you are in a, uh, in a, in a nope. you know, in a real tricky situation and always keep yourself safe, obviously. Any lasting words, Kate? Just, just, I mean, because this, this is this topic of financial abuse, it is just, just really always maintain um, financial independence to some extent um, without, without making it very businesslike. Um, it's just about ring fencing your future, you know, that you have something to fall back on. If, if anything does go wrong um, and that's that's it in a nutshell really yeah and I, I think that's a really nice point for me someone like myself who is it's not business like I'm not sure if it's business like but being a financial advisor I can sort of very quickly go into the um, the detail like the actions right so okay we're going to do this we're going to do that a percentage of this and a percentage of that and I, 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 I can go into that very easily and what you're saying is we don't have to get, be in that kind of space we don't have to go to that extent it's just about saying what fills me up how what what could I what could I keep my toe in to keep me filled fulfilled and exactly. something to feel fall back on in the future if I need it to get about giving you ensuring that you have a purpose in life that you're feel, you're, you you feel like you are you have a purpose in life other than yeah. being a mom and being a wife yeah um, and and obviously ultimately having knowing that by having that by fulfilling that purpose you have something to fall back on if 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 the you know, if something happens um yeah you know it's just ring fencing you it's not saying your relationship's going to going to end it's not it's not it's not saying that at all it's just saying i'm safe that's it yeah i'm safe Brilliant. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you again to Kate for joining us. Isn't it? It eliminates a lot of the pressure off the relationship then. Oh, though. God, yeah. It's, it's that future proofing, isn't it? Yeah. Future proofing the relationship, 100%. Well, lovely. For, for, thank you again, Kate. We're going to wrap up now. We've had a good old check chin rag for the last hour. Um, and uh, I've really enjoyed talking to you today. So go and check out Kate's book and love to hear from you in the comments. Um, and obviously on socials, do get in touch. And I'd love to hear from you. Take care thank you for joining us on today's episode of accelerate your wealth for further help or to connect with rebecca directly please head over to the website www.rebeccarobertson.co.uk where you can find further information on our planner book and how to further maximize your wealth for any regulated advice please do head over to www.evolutionfinancialplanning.co.uk